0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Brawn Tide. This is Tina, Trace, and Joel, and we're doing Love Part 2. And the reason I was excited to kick this one off is I really wanted to do an episode about how to love well. And those words came from a conversation we had with you, Joel. And ever since this conversation this concept of loving well and being loved well has been far more on the forefront of my mind, and I feel like it's has really given me the opportunity to delve deeper into these questions and really the practice in doing this in relationships. So will you start by giving us what your definition is or where you feel like starting with what being loved well is?
1: being loved well or loving well
0: well either one whichever one feels better
1: i mean i think i think they're kind of two sides of the same coin i believe that at a really innate level there's something about each of us that wants to be seen is the language we use right and i think if you were to unpack that what it means to be seen is to be uh fully accepted and affirmed in your wholeness
2: Mm.
1: and that includes your strengths your weaknesses your your oddities right Uh, your brilliance it really is the ability to stand naked not just literally but like metaphysically right uh and be accepted and affirmed and i think that's that's what it is to be loved and i think to love is that right it's the the offering of acceptance and affirmation um in in granting granting that affirmation and acceptance to the whole person in all of their messiness and brilliance and beauty and darkness and right like um and so i think to love well requires
2: um to
1: love well requires the ability to see, like really see people, right? For who they are um, and to have the capacity to hold space for their shadow as well as their light. Like the things about them that they wrestle with, their insecurities, their challenges, the uh, ways in which, you know, they may be, too loud or take up too much space at the dinner party, or the ways that they don't always tell the full truth because they're trying to manipulate someone to get their way, or the ways in which they are ashamed of um you know uh their appearance or or a physical trait or you know whatever it is, right? That all of that gets included and that there's a, a there's a hospitality granted to all of the parts That are lovely as well as the unlovely parts. And that's, I think, what it means to love well. Uh, Because so much of our love, as it's portrayed in culture today, is transactional and it's conditional, right? It's not loving well because it's loving one fragment of this mosaic of a human. It's not loving the whole, right? It's not, there isn't, there's not hospitality for the whole. Uh, or it's boiled down to things like sex or it's boiled down to things like physical attraction and appearance or a shared affinity or right that we boil these things down and it's like this is why you I think you have relationships that don't make it in the long run uh, is because love was never about the whole it was always about a part And that part changes and it integrates and it separates and it's in flux and it's dynamic. And as humans, we're not static creatures. Right. So anyways, does that, does that get at what you were hoping to get at?
0: And more it's so, it's so luxuriously, deliciously expansive and beautiful because when you offer that invitation, I love you using the word dynamic. Like it has so many, it's like we've had a ton of rain in California recently and water literally has had to find any crevice, any road. I noticed at the dog park the other day, there's like a mini river that has been created down the hill into kind of a pond over the drain. Um, It's like that. It's, it's not the neat, tidy thing of, I have a lawn and then there's hardscape then there's a planter box and I turn the sprinklers on and only the sprinklers hit the lawn, the drip system hits the planter box, the hardscape stays dry. Like that is the love that I think a lot of people are sold. Mm
1: -hmm. Like you get
0: to neat it up, clean it up. Put some here, some some little different thing over there, and, and then you got it. And there's like an equation and there's a format, and it's like this fixed perfection, not like capital P perfection, like the perfection of the entire universe or the perfection of source. It's like this lowercase P. I can just clean it up,
2: mm-hmm.
0: pick it out, choose what I want, leave what I don't want. And I love you also using the word transactional and all that, because it, as soon as I say that, it's like, well, that's what we do all the time. We go to the grocery store, I pick this, I want this, I want that avocado, not this one, blah, 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 blah. We're able to do that in so much of our lives with how society, at least the particular you know, suburbia that I live in, I don't have to go farm to get my food. I don't have to get particularly messy if I decide to eat meat for dinner, um, I'm not having to kill a chicken. You know, There's so many things that it's just been cleaned up and compartmentalized in our lives. And I feel like love is one of those things that that's kind of what's sold. And then people wonder why they're on their third marriage or their partner doesn't seem interesting to them anymore or whatever. It's because like, well, who the hell wanted to sign up for that thing anyway? It seems like a like right. a teenage rom com's version of love, as opposed to right. like a deep, gritty, messy work. Um, I'm curious to your thoughts, Trace.
3: Yeah, being loved for your wholeness and and being loved, all parts of yourself being loved, including your shadow and your insecurity, I've found to be such a powerful experience. Like having the experience of doing something and then hearing my inner critic come in and like criticize me and kind of like beat me up about doing something. And then having, uh, having the other person, like s- not criticize me in the same way that my inner critic is criticizing me, like not be judgmental in the same way that I was being judgmental to myself. Uh, that's a really, really powerful healing experience to have uh, your shadows and your insecurities come up in that way. And in such a way that you're judging yourself for them, but the other person isn't uh, that really has a transformational effect, at least in my experience. So Joel, your language around loving, you know, loving someone for their wholeness and loving, including the shadow, including the insecurities, including all the, the perceived flaws um, that resonate a lot. I think that's, that's really powerful language. Uh, when I think about when I reflect on loving well, one of the things that jumps out to me is the importance of communication and how uh, essential communication is in relationships and loving. Well, I remember when, when Tina and I met, uh, we talked early on in our relationship about our uh, love languages. What were the the languages that we uh, received love in and just having that clear communication around how each of us uh, really received love was just so helpful. Like just knowing uh, that yours was quality time. And uh, what was the second one?
0: <laughs> no, this is really good. It's physical touch. Physical and touch, yeah. and yeah. it's, it's funny because you're not someone who likes to just like randomly be touched. Like yeah. you prefer some like asking some, and I'm not talking about like, I'm just like even talking about like hand on the shoulder or massage, sure. you know, shoulder, quick shoulder massage. Some people are like, touchy-feely like that, like the dog. He's touchy-feely like that all the time. He just wants to be on you. He wants to be scratched. He wants to be robbed. Not everybody is that way. And I feel like these, these things, they're just such good conversation starters and continuers because they allow us to continue to get curious. And when I hear you talk about your inner critic, continue to get curious about what what made me how I am what of that do I want to continue to keep what of that do I continue to want to unconsciously am I okay unconsciously reflecting that out into the world versus like kind of like changing what I'm Mm -hmm. how I'm perceiving things and it's it just makes there's like a complexity that makes life just infinitely more interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah, like when we when we met and I told Tina that my love language was affirmation, uh I just noticed immediately after telling Tina that like you were giving me more affirmations, you were showing your love uh in that way. So, I just the power of like clear communication and like actually communicating what means the most to me when it comes to being loved. I think it's such a powerful aspect of this and it's not just in intimate relationships and friendships. Like the question, I think the, the question, how can I best support you Mm -hmm. is one of the best questions of all time. Joel, you asked us that recently, Um, you know, our, our deepest friendships. It's like, we come to, we have something that we're dealing with and our, our friends ask us, you know, how can I best support you? And I think that's such a powerful question to ask because Uh, it's really like, how, how can I love, how can I best love you, uh, Mm -hmm. in this and just asking you're, you're, you're literally just asking the other person how you can best love them. And, and it's like the communication, it's like the, the power is in the simplicity. The power is in the, it only takes one question. It only takes a few words to really gain like clarity. And, um, and you're giving the empowerment to the other person too, for them to tell you how, um, they they can be best loved through what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I think communication is um it's the way that we create the third person. I don't know if you two have heard about this, but um and I I don't know you know who who the source material is for this. It's been a few years since I've 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 thought about this, but it has been really transformational for my wife and I and, and, and other, you know, close friends and that there's, there's really three people in your relationship, right? There's you, there's your partner. And then there's the, 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 the third person is your relationship, right? It's where the two of you uh, are like immersed together. You're entangled, you're intertwined and you have to, nourish that thing that third person right um and so communication is the way i think that you do that one of the primary ways that you do that uh because it's in that space of the third person in which the negotiation of the relationship happens right Mm -hmm. um hey this is these are my needs these are my desires these are your needs these are your desires and it's those things dance in that third person right Mm -hmm. um so that that communication is is really really critical otherwise you don't have that third person and maybe another way to say it more tangibly is that communication is the scaffolding that holds up your structure Mm -hmm. right it's the thing that if your relationship is a structure um that communication is the scaffolding I want to come back to this idea of uh, acceptance because I think this yeah. is a um, something that a lot of people wrestle with. And one of the reasons why Hollywood and other cultural, sociocultural portrayals of love are so often one-dimensional and transactional is because there's a paradox here. And um, the paradox is, well, if I accept you, Holistically, all of you, including your shadow, that puts me in danger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Because if I'm affirming and accepting even the parts of you that aren't good, am I telling you that it's that those parts are okay? Mm. They don't need to change. If part of your shadow is that you're emotionally abusive or manipulative partner to me and I love you, and I accept you holistically, does that mean I'm affirming the parts of you that are actually dangerous and damaging to me? Right? And I think that's the paradox of love. And I think it's something that is really challenging for a lot of folks, and this is why I think it gets left out in the sociocultural betrayal of love, because it's really hard. Like, what the fuck do you do with that? Right mm-hmm. And so I think that,, um, love and acceptance, there's some some,, uh, sometimes to love well is to see the person in their wholeness, to see, to see them in their brilliance and in their shadow. And to establish boundaries for yourself, right, that help that person to understand that some behaviors and ways of being and relating to others are damaging and hurtful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so I think, I think to, to love well, and this is why loving well and loving yourself are so inextricably connected, loving well sometimes looks like loving yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. That if you blindly say, I accept all of you, even the abusive parts, like that's not going to go well for both either of you. Right. (laughs) So to love that person well is to see them in their dysfunction and to accept it with the uh, to the extent that it doesn't harm you. Right. And I think that's where you practicing, you know, loving others well means practicing love yourself. And I I would say that also we only have the capacity to see others to the degree that we've seen ourselves and know ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So like whatever mechanism it is that you, through which you understand yourself, you will only ever be able to understand others through. Mm -hmm. So if you understand yourself in a very narrow conditional way, that's all you'll be able to offer to others. Mm-hmm. Um, even for folks who, at on a service level, seem like they're really really good at loving, right? They they're always the first person. Like, what can I do? How can I help you? You know, they're 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 the the service oriented, right? The others oriented types of people. Well, often when you get underneath that, it's they're seeking their own affirmation. They're seeking their own belonging. They're seeking their own conditions, right? Mm-hmm um so it it can it's it's a paradox like how do we love and
2: not uh um
1: not uh so what's the word i'm looking for invite pain and hurt to ourselves (laughs) in a way that's damaging and abusive right
0: I love all of this because it's like the exact, the biggest work I've done over the last couple of years. Um, I grew up in a household where, especially my mom, it was all the like squishy, lovey, like constant, just effervescing that easy kind of love to receive, uh, kindergarten teacher love, like
2: just. Mm, mm-hmm
0: in all the ways, all the time. And it, that very much lacked boundaries. And so I spent much of my adult life loving similar, similarly and came to its useful end and learned that boundaries weren't what I thought they were because from that kind of love, a boundary is like a wall. It's a breaking point, right? Like I'm sure you, people can relate to those people who give, 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 give. And then when that person breaks, like no one's necessarily surprised that they finally broken because everyone has a breaking point. Most people haven't seen this person's breaking point yet, but when they finally break, it's like completely like shattered and diffused, like broke, broke. Right. And So I always thought a boundary was like a brick wall that you ran into at 60 miles an hour (laughs) in your car. (laughs) Like, Oh crap. (laughs) Got to the end of that. And what I've learned more recently, this just stuck with me so hardcore right in the middle of my chest is a boundary is a place where I can love you and love me too. Mm -hmm. And so to your point of all of it, Joel, Unconditional love doesn't always feel squishy and cuddling and soft and and as a matter of fact, one of the most important places I think we can first practice this kind of unconditional love is internally with our own inner critics Mm -hmm. of like I love you. I can love the wound that you're expressing and you're trying to protect. I can have love and compassion for that that part of my inner child that wants to have a temper tantrum over this thing or whatever, and also you, in this case, inner critic, can't abuse me. I'm not going to allow you to speak to that that way to me anymore. I'm not going to allow you to put these behaviors out into the world anymore. I'm not, I'm not like that boundary from within of like actually loving this thing well and letting it heal means not allowing abuse internally and therefore also of course not allowing abuse externally. And I think the, the more and more skilled we get at this, then the quicker we can recognize manipulation and abuse and control and boundary oversteps and all those things. And actually the much more like gentle permeable changeable boundaries we can have because we don't have to have like oh I give 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 and then you hit a brick wall or for other people it's like all there is is a brick wall and then like a dam has to come down in order for them to give anything at all it's like what if this is far more like a dance and what if boundaries are just being communicated to each other kind of all the time in so much more of a graceful and compassionate way that we get to just gently keep learning instead of having it be we're thinking we're getting some particular kind of love. And then all of a sudden we've crashed up against, against something. And it's like, Oh, oops.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that something you're getting out there for me is um it's important to highlight. Like when I say to love someone is to see them. What I mean in that is that that's an orientation of love like love is as an orientation Mm. and then there's love as a feeling and then there's love as a behavior Mm -hmm. right and that the sum of those three things equals relationship Mm -hmm. so the orientation will lead to the feelings and those feelings can be feelings of you know love but also feelings of Comfort and safety and hope and belonging and other sorts of things, but also sensitivity to the things that you're sensitive to, right? Which leads to behaviors, how we engage, what and what the um, conditions of that engagement are. So things like establishing boundaries, communication, right? Those are behaviors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that the, again, if we say that loving well is the sum of these three things it's an orientation of love. It's a feeling of love. And it's a behavior of love that when those things are misaligned and say that orientation and feeling and behavior aren't congruent with each other, Hey, you said this, but you did this. That's incongruent, right? That's that's now starts to negate and undermine love. If you, I feel this way about you, but I don't see it reciprocated behaviorally, or if I, I'm going to act like I love you, but I don't actually feel like it, right? Like when you have incongruency across those three things, you don't have love. And so love requires congruency that the way that your orientation of love shapes and informs your feeling of love, which shapes and informs your behavior of love.
3: Mm. So the
1: reason you communicate well is because you feel a deep sense of love for this person that's oriented around the desire to see their whole self. Mm. So, like, you can connect all those three things, and so, um, I I think that's where some of this for me comes in around establishing boundaries, loving and accepting. It's because love is multidimensional, and it's not just one thing, right? It requires the congruence of these three things, um, and that when those three things align and there is congruence you actually create in this relationship the conditions of emergence Mm -hmm. right we talk about emergence a lot and what happens as we know when you create conditions for emergence possibility can be realized and that's where healing happens that's where uh, all sorts of things happen that's where people come to the realization that like oh, I don't need this unhealthy thing anymore because I i was given the space to confront it and that person had patience enough to stick with me through it and to come out the other side through the discomfort and challenge of, of that healing process. And now I can emerge as a more wholly integrated, healthy human because I was loved well.
2: Uh, that's so powerful. That's so brilliant. Yeah. It just feels like such a profound invitation into a deeply fulfilling human experience. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts on loving love?
3: No, I think this is a, I think this is a fantastic point to, to leave. I don't have anything, uh, Uh, I think this is a great point to leave it off
2: on. Do you want to close for us, Joel? Sure. Loving well, the last
1: thing I'll say, is not a destination. It's not something you master, right? It will be a journey for the rest of your life. Mm. All that matters today is you know, start with your orientation and how is that orientation of love congruent with your feelings and the behaviors and actions in your relationship?
2: Mm.
1: And what's one thing that you can do to uh, galvanize congruence? One way that you can align your behaviors and your feelings with your orientation of love, your, your, your aspiration, your desire to see others. And that's just do that and you will become a great lover.